What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the RMR Podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest Stephen Jung, COO of PAX. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mitch. How are you? Awesome, man. Hanging in there. I know I was just talking to you off camera. You're down there in the Bay. I just flew back from the Bay myself, man. Is, is the weather still doing all right down there? Yeah, it's actually really nice right now. So uh, enjoying a couple of days of some good weather here. How's everything up in uh, your part of, of Washington? It's gray and moist out. I mean, it's, uh, you know, nine months out the year, that's what it is. So uh, just just dealing with that. But, you know, it is what it is. We're working inside, I don't get outside much, but it is, you know, it gets, it gets depressing, man. It weighs on you after a while. We'll have to have you down here in California some more. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting signed. I know Hall of Flowers is coming up. I'll be down there for that in Palm Springs and uh, Green Street Festival. Some other things are right. on the docket of travel. So, Excited to get back to the, the, you know, I don't know if it's this, I guess Florida is the sunshine state, but I don't go to Florida. <laughs> California is a sunshine state to me. So, um, you know, very interesting. I usually kick off all of these episodes with people's history just around the plant, the plant being cannabis. It could be uh, personal or it could be professional. So I'm just kind of curious your, your origin story with cannabis, whether it's as a, as a consumer or, or in the industry. My origin story, you know, I consider myself really lucky and blessed in that the industry found me. Right. Um, I think growing up, especially when I was in the military, I was following the rules and doing the, the thing I'm supposed to be doing there and not consuming. I got out of the army. Um, some friends actually recommended cannabis to me as a, a way to work with my sleeping issues because I, I had trouble sleeping. I still do. Um, and at the time, I, I viewed it very much as a tool. Right. It was utilitarian. I tried it a couple of times. It worked, but I never really followed up on that and tried to pursue that further because, I mean, as you and I both know, it's a it's a pretty fragmented space. There wasn't a really easy way to get into it. And so um, I ultimately just didn't really pursue that or really think about it much further. And then uh, several years back, um, I got the call from Weed Maps. Uh, they were looking for somebody to come in and, and help uh, run the operations and the business for, for them. And uh, I, I made the choice to join. Now, at first, that was not my first response. We could talk about that some more, too. But uh, but I did join. And, um, you know, obviously Weed Maps holds a pretty central position in the industry in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and so from there, I really learned everything. And I, and I became obviously a passionate and ardent supporter of the community, ultimately the cause and all the benefits that come along with, with the plant itself. And so I, uh, like I said, I consider myself really lucky and blessed. And, and here I am now with PAX and uh, very excited for the journey that we're on. So I, you know, before I move on to the next question, I want to unpack one thing, you know, that being the you know military experience obviously cannabis and its effects on ptsd and what's done for veterans is a, is a huge component was that anything that you ever um kind of had piqued your interest in terms of getting into cannabis or was there kind of talks about that once you got out of the military interestingly back when i got now uh which was back in 2005 there wasn't a whole lot of talk around that at mm. the time right and so i'd say where we stand right now with regard to talking about veterans issues and cannabis and how it actually offers a, an alternative, a very healthy alternative and a solution to a lot of these issues that, that veterans face. Um, I feel like it's progressed a lot. Now, there's a lot of work that still needs to happen, but it's come a long way when you consider 10, 15 years before uh, where we were. Because at the time, I really wasn't talking about that at all. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's something that you know we I talk about a lot on, on content interviews of you know, just my personal experience. I've been around cannabis a long time, but the the education and the you know, or the stigma you know really and, and just regulation legalities around cannabis really you know stifled 
uh, education and even just, you know, people being comfortable talking about cannabis. So it was so long where, you know, things were shared in private. And now thanks to, you know, uh, cannabis legalization kind of snowballing across the states, we finally are like having these conversations, the studies are happening, the studies are being published, and people aren't turning their noses up. And so there's definitely some some beauty to this legalization coming of us just being able to have these conversations and, and learn about these things. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting, too, because within the military community itself, I think you're starting to see certain leaders that are willing to take up that topic and, and take it into into the right dialogue and the right discussion with the right people. Um, like I said, I think there's a long way to go in terms of the work that has to happen before it becomes fully accepted. Right. And I think one of the key signals that we would be looking for is the Veterans Administration identifying that as a treatment that it's also willing to obviously subsidize so that um, veterans can get access and get the care that they need. Um, so, so again, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, but you have notable figures like retired General James Mattis, right, mm -hmm. former Secretary of Defense, who is a supporter of cannabis and has talked about getting it into the VA program so that veterans can get that access. And then generally within the community itself, you even have a lot more soldiers and veterans who have gotten out of the military who are much more comfortable now talking about cannabis and the positive impact that it has on their lives. Again, you know, it wasn't that long ago where folks just were not willing to talk about it or just naturally didn't talk about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the changes, changes are coming. Like you said, we still have a long ways to go. I think sometimes people in the industry live in this echo chamber where we're so free and so much things are happening that, you know, when you take a step back and look, we've came a long ways, but we definitely have quite a bit of work to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with PACS, but you know, in, in your words, what, what's kind of the mission statement behind PACS as a company in, in the consumer goods space for cannabis? Simply put, PAX is all about delivering exceptional cannabis experiences to people, right? And I think doing so in an incredibly high quality and premium way. Um, that is the brand. That's what we do. It's what we're known for. And I think lastly, it's doing that through innovation, right? I think we have a long history of being very innovative, using technology and using science to bring this experience to a new level. And, uh, and that's what we're still focused on now. Yeah, there's, I mean, the ancillary business or vaporizers, you know, it's not new that's been around since pre-legalization. There's a lot of people in that space. We see a lot of different products. PAX is one that came in and, and built out some market share pretty aggressively. And not just as an ancillary business, but as in partnerships with, you know, with the pods, with actual licensed farms all, all in multiple more. I don't even know how many states you, are you, do you know off top how many states you guys are in right now? Yeah, well, generally, if you're just talking about the devices, we're effectively in all states, sure. right? Um, because the devices aren't constrained in the way that obviously cannabis as a product is. Uh, so so we're, you can find us everywhere. As far as, are you familiar with the pods? How many states the pods are, are for sale in? Yeah, for the pods, we're actually in 23 states total. Okay. That's that's impressive. Yeah, there's not, I, I don't know if there's another uh, hardware company that has a partnership to, the, to that degree that's in that many states. I was telling you a little bit before, you know, I'm, I'm very well versed with the uh, with the equipment myself as a personal consumer. I just love how, how um, you know, just sleek it is and discreet, which I think is a big part of you know, the vaporizer market, right? People choose vaporizers for the smell, the way it looks. It's you know, going back to the stigma. It still exists to some extent. And, and the vaporizer is kind of that easy entry point in terms of just discretion and, I don't know, making people feel comfortable consuming without, you know, blowing up the neighborhood with a smell or something like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it is an incredibly discreet and incredibly convenient, 
right method of, of consumption. Um, and of course, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but as far as the system and the platform itself, I think um, a couple of things, you mentioned this concept of all the brand partner that we, the brand partners that we have on the platform where we're selling those pods uh, and working with these partners to take it to market in all these different states here in the US and of course in, in Canada globally. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that's such a key piece of what we're talking about here, because when we talk about a platform, right, one of the key parts there is, well, by definition, as we think about a platform, it is the right selection of brands, of strains, of products, of price points, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what creates an overall consumer experience that's really positive. Um, and so, you know, I think, again, we, we consider ourselves lucky to have the alignment with these strategic partners that we have. Uh, and, uh, of course, again, our devices, we're really excited about those and the changes that we're going to be making on these devices in the future. Yeah. And how, I mean, how difficult has it been building out a product like that? Right. Cause a lot of people there in the ancillary space are like, you know, like I said, I have your, the PAX three over here, which is a dry herb, which you said it could be, you know, for sale anywhere. It can be used anywhere, but building out the, the pod system with like the PAX era devices, you know, requires these strategic partnerships, which how fra fragmented this industry is from a you know regular regulatory standpoint, from just operation standpoint of you know even some of the major brands are only in single states or a few states. You know how difficult has it been to build out a business that's in 23 states, you know tiptoeing all these regulatory lines and then so many different partnerships. Absolutely not easy, um, you know. And I'd say operationally, there's certainly a lot of complexity to bring that to market, managing it, and doing it well. But I think for us, the, the key here is that our brand and the, the offering that we have, right, both to a brand partner, a third party brand partner, um, or to the consumer is one that has a, a ton of credibility and a lot of trust when it comes to when it comes to these partners. So so I think from that perspective, usually finding the right partners and bringing them onto the platform is not the issue. Now, managing that and making sure that we can execute that at high levels, that certainly takes a fair amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We see it. We see it consistently, whether it's, you know, brands, flower brands like cookies who do, you know, similar model of working with cultivators in different states, licensing out their IP or you guys licensing out hardware IP. Uh, it is it is definitely a, a task that very, very few have been able to do. But, you know, big salute to you guys for doing that. But also, you. you know, in California, you guys just released your first PAX branded product um and a solventless one at that. We'll get on the, on the solventless one. But what what does this milestone mean to the company? It's a huge milestone, and, and I think it's really just a natural evolution of what consumers are demanding, right? And, and I think, again, when you look at our platform, um, as I mentioned earlier, you have these right brands, products, um, and assortment of, of different types of selection, including price points. And so, uh, you know, as far as the product itself, it's a fresh pressed live rosin with natural diamonds, uh, has a ton of innovation behind it. And we're able to bring, again, of course, the premium quality cannabis experience that we're known for um, at a, in a way that's really full flower and that the consumers, again, are really focused on these days and at an, a disruptive price point. And so I think, um, you know, altogether, uh, we're excited because not only is it great as a step for the company, for PAX, but also for the platform at large. Hmm. Absolutely. And, and to, you know, for some of our, our, our listeners that are unaware of like what rosin is, um, it is, you know, when you usually make extracts, right, you use a, a solvent, uh, you know, uh, something in there to extract, yeah, yeah to, ex to extract the, 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 the terpenes and the THC, the CBD from a plant. Rosin is like this weird thing where you just squish it and it oozes out 
it's really, uh, you know, if you're a weed nerd like myself, it's truly like weed porn. It's an attractive thing to watch. Um, but just the smell of it, you know, when, when you see that, I, I'm not a big dabber. I'm a very, very heavy consumer, but I've never been a big dabber. But rosin was actually the thing that introduced me personally to dabs because when I saw it made and I was like, wait, this is just squeezing a plant and then you smell it and you taste it. And it's so true to the, the essence of the plant. I was, you know, it just captivated me as a consumer. And so I've slowly gotten into dabbing through rosin. But what what did it take? You know, it's a very difficult thing to do to make uh, rosin pods or rosin cartridges, right? Like rosin is is got a process down where people are able to produce that. Um, but to get that into a vaporizer device and, and have it hold form without, you know, getting too hard, um, what is that? What did that R&D look like to get these products just right for market? It certainly is difficult. And, and like you said, I think, um, again, when we think about the innovation that we bring into anything that we do, one of the areas that we really focused on was going to be around the formulation and obviously the process, right? The way in which we actually created that product. And so for those that aren't familiar, like you mentioned, live rosin, really it's it's the purest version of the, the plant that you can consume, especially when it comes to vape, right? So you start with premium grade cannabis flower and then you uh, flash freeze it so it locks in all of that freshness. And then you take that during the extraction process, instead of using harsh chemicals and solvents like butane, you're just using ice, water, agitation, and pressure to actually get the THC out of the plant itself. And so, you know, net net, what that results in is the full cannabinoid and terpene profile. And that includes the major and the minor versions of both. Mm -hmm. uh, and so again, when you experience that product, you can see pretty quickly how it's different, right? It differentiates itself from all other products that are out there. Um, and so, again, that, that's exactly within the scope of the type of product that we would believe in bringing to market um, and the exceptional experience or the cannabis experience that we're creating. So um, that process, we have our own IP that we developed in order to get the formula and obviously the process, the manufacturing itself um, certainly was not easy. But then on top of that, of course, we were able to leverage the system that we have, which are the devices, in this case, our award winning airline of devices. Um, which really are the cleanest and safest alternative out there on the market. So again, tons of innovation behind all of this. We're incredibly proud of the product and uh, the early reception has been very, very positive. Yeah, and speaking on, on clean and safety, you know, I saw the one of the reports or the infographics you guys published on just looking at the you know potential carcinogenic, carcinogenic if I said that right, risk uh, behind, you know, and, and anytime you're combusting anything, vaporizing something, smoking something, right, you're, there, there's a potential risk out there. Um, but looking at that graph, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I should have saved it in front of me. You know, I looked at like cigarettes versus just cannabis joints and then a couple other things on there. And your guys's was just a very, very minuscule, very low risk. So what, what goes into a, like looking into these different things to ensure that it's there and, and how do you guys combat, or, or I guess that's, that's just my only question is how do you guys look at that versus other things and ensuring that it is of lowest risk possible to the, the end consumer? Absolutely. It, I mean, it's an investment that we continually make, right? And one that we have to keep maintaining. And so I think the first place that it starts from is you take a look at our, our company and the staff that we have. So we have toxicology experts, biocompatibility experts. We have a staff of PhDs and scientists that actually focus on that side of the business, right? Because really what we're trying to do is, in fact, really we can disassociate that from the concept of business because it's really just about, can we make the cleanest, purest product available and provide devices that support that as well? So uh, that team and that staff is constantly focusing on and thinking through, 
how can we make sure that everything we're doing fits within the scope of that mission, right? Um, and so that's, that's really the number one thing that we do. Uh, but of course, as we think about the products, as we looked at the products, certainly we had different choices in terms of the extraction type of what we could do. And that's why it naturally landed us on this live rosin product, uh, because again, it was directly in line with what we're trying to achieve. Absolutely. And I applaud you guys for having that conversation. You know, it's something that in this space, right, a lot of people don't talk about. There's warnings. You know, California has the the warnings and this product is known to cause cancer. You don't see that in other, in other states. Everyone has their own warnings. Um, I'm personally a blunt smoker, so I'm wrapping everything in tobacco leaf. I'm not proud of that. Uh, I'm not happy. You know, I wish I didn't, but I just, I, I don't, it's just my preferred method. Um, but you know, it's something that us as consumers don't really talk about a lot as the risk. We always say cannabis is safe. You've never heard anyone dying from it, but there are potential risks from this for you guys being a company that's taking that stand and a, it's ensuring it's safe, but also starting that conversation where so many other people just kind of. I mean, they just gloss right over it or don't have it. What's kind of the incentive of, of having that conversation with the consumer? Uh, the incentive for us is just doing the right thing, right? What we believe is the right thing at any rate. Um, we stand for that concept of cleanliness and purity. Uh, and we, we absolutely are committed to doing that through everything that we create and put out there into the world. Um, I think a big point that you're mentioning as well as just general consumer education, that's really important. And, and again, I think what's interesting for us is if you look at the market right now and if you're looking at the data, I think consumers are increasingly asking this question, what is in my oil, right? Mm. What is in this product that I'm consuming? And so uh, I think I think it's the right time for folks to really ask the question and work on that, um, that information and, and that education so that then they can go ahead and make smarter choices. Absolutely. And, and that's something we've been big about uh, through our team. I mean, we're just a media publication, but you know, we've advocated for consumer safety and consumer education in a lot of different ways. We've seen a couple states have um, some issues around things where some companies have been called out. I'm not going to name any. There's definitely one in Washington that was recently mm -hmm. uh, in the last year or so that just did some things where it was technically like, you know, they, they came out and were like, oh, you know, there was no explicit thing saying we couldn't do it. But, you know, for us, it was like, maybe the end consumer doesn't care. Maybe the price point drives their purchase, right? They don't necessarily care what they're putting in their body. I still just firmly believe they deserve to know. You know, the majority of Americans drink a ton of soda. They eat fast food. You know, they make, in some people's eyes, unhealthy choices, but at least they're aware of what those choices are. You know, whether they care or not, that's up to them as an individual. But I definitely am a firm believer that they deserve to know what they're consuming. And if they should care, it shouldn't be that hard to find that information. Is that something you guys associate with as well? I would agree with that, right? I think, uh, again, it's really about giving consumers the information so that they have the power of choice. And, and like you said, everyone has a preference uh, and a preferred method of how they're gonna consume. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, again, like you said, it's important for them to know what it is that they're consuming and then make their choice based off of that information. Absolutely, absolutely. And so with, with you guys having these rosin carts through the through the PAX brand um, in California, I believe you guys dropped, did you drop 11 or was it 12 strain profiles for the initial launch? 11 strains, including 11 one strains. high CBD strain. Okay. And then the goal is to, is it to release kind of frequently rotate in and out new strains in that, in that similar product offering of around 10 to 12? Our first 11 batch includes a, a combination of both some of the classic strains that we all know and love, like a Blue Dream or a Pineapple Express or Jack Herrera, but then also some of the more contemporary cultivars that are out there, like a Mochi Cookies, for example, or a Guava Gelato. Um, and I think for us going forward, 
we're always going to maintain that that set of the strain library that folks are again classic tried and true ones that everybody knows and loves but then at the same time continuing to work with some of these really great leading farms right local farms especially here in california and all the great product that they're creating and then using our creativity to come up with the cultivars that folks are, are most excited about in the moment um, so that we can continually have some freshness in the options absolutely and then with with you guys you know i know with the with the pods right now with the different partners you know there's some i guess creativity uh, afforded to whoever the partner is right with the packaging different packaging looks different based on the different brand partners are you guys going to keep for the the packs line is it going to stay kind of consistent i like what you guys did it definitely has that clean like a natural feel if you will which makes sense with the rosin for me personally is that are you guys going to stay in that line of packaging and branding Thanks. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think for us, right, we're we're going to try and keep that as straightforward as possible and ultimately try to keep it simple for the consumer. So, again, they can they can find what they're looking for and then um, get the information and make their choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what goes into so when curating these strains, you know, you're looking at having consistent, you know, the tried and true legacy strains everybody knows and loves and then the, the newer kind of funner or more cutting edge breeding? What, what do you guys look for when it comes to on that new side of, of strains and cultivars? Is it what's kind of the data showing of what people want? Is it is it a little bit of instinct or just finding things that are gonna come through in the rosin, in, in, a, in the terpene profile through rosin? What, what drives kind of the, the selection of strains there? Generally speaking from a product development standpoint, I think everything always starts from the consumer, right? And, and it's really talking to them and listening to them to find out what it is that they're looking for and what they what they care about at the moment. And then really backwards planning from that to then figure out, okay, well, based off of what we're hearing and then looking at the data, if you combine all of that, then I think you start to see the story for what it is that people might actually want. Um, and then of course it comes down to the question of, as you know, in this industry, um, everything is not always readily available. And so yeah. when you start thinking about things like biomass, right? Availability and of what strains are gonna be available within that, and even then there's one more cut of that of that option um, that we're gonna have to apply, which is when it comes to like rosin, for example, right, yield is everything. And this is gonna be true of any extraction, but at the same time, I think yield when it comes to live rosin and that process um, is typically very low, right? And I think a lot of people don't really understand exactly how difficult that is, but I think this is where it becomes very critical that you take a look at what supplies available, you make sure that you can actually produce it in a way so that it makes sense for the company, for the business, and that uh, that all at the end of the day should match up with what it is that consumers are looking for. Uh, and then that's how you come up with the product. Yeah, it is, it's very true. And I think the, the consumer doesn't, you know, obviously don't understand that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a more education of the yield, but even when you're growing flour, right, just straight flour, how much a plant yields is essentially viable to the supply chain of, of a cultivator. Um, and there's so many different grows we've been to where I see a strain and I'm like, oh my God, this is the best cut of it ever. And the grower's like, I, this is, I'm done with this after this. I can't get it to yield enough to make it financially viable. And you as a consumer, like why, why I want this. And they're like, man, it just, I can't make any, you know, it, it just doesn't financially make any sense to have. And then when you talk about rosin, you know, when you're pressing it, you know, you're getting single digit, you know, single digit percentage yields off of these plants, right? You absolutely have to look at that. Um, and so it's a very unique thing of, of understanding uh, you know, the balance of what consumers want, what's going to perform well, and then also being a yield, you know, it's this nice tango between a variety of variable variables. Um, how much R and D are you guys putting into, 
you know, what things yield? Or are you kind of leaning on partners and, and kind of what the data is on the market out there for, for strains and what they yield? It's a combination of things at the moment. So uh, at the moment, we work with different manufacturing partners. Um, and again, we work with farms that actually provide the cultivation of the biomass itself. We don't have a, a cultivation license, but instead, mm -hmm. what we're really doing is leaning on those who already know best, right? There's a bunch of people, a bunch of providers, and obviously incredible farms that are available today that are able to produce at scale and at quality. And so I think rather than us trying to go and recreate that wheel, let's go work with those folks. Because at the end of the day, this is also a part of being a part of the industry and supporting all of these key players that have already been in the game for quite a while. So um, so that that's certainly the way that we're doing it. As far as R&D goes, we're doing a lot of the R&D obviously in-house, especially when we're thinking about that manufacturing process, right? The extraction process, the formulation itself. Um, but then obviously working very closely with these partners to make sure that um, we can get that done. Awesome. Well, you know, if you guys need some help on the R&D front, you know, there's some guys at Respect My Region that are, you know, love to consume this stuff. So, I mean, you know, just keep that in mind. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think that's that's really key, right? Because as a part of a beta program, uh, again, when I talk about starting from the consumer and getting that feedback and then using that to then make decisions, um, it starts actually from there, right? So getting the right people to go ahead and try and test these products early on and then taking that feedback and building it back into our decision framework. Absolutely. And so what, what made California the ideal springboard for, for this product line? California, uh, as everybody knows, and if you don't, right, it's, um, it's a double-edged sword. It is an amazing market. It's technically the largest market on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, it is a very intensely competitive market and one that's very hard to survive in. Um, for us, obviously, the benefit that we have is that we're already a known brand. We're an established brand that is well known and trusted for everything that we've done in the past um, and what we've brought to market. So, so that's definitely something that we're able to leverage for ourselves here. Um, but that said, you know, again, I think, right, it is the most dynamic market that's out there. The competition is the fact that it is an open market and that there are very low barriers to entry. If you compare that to some of the other markets that are out there, and when I say um, a constrained market, right, I'm talking about the limited licenses that are available in a given market. Um, and so in California's case, it's a very open market. And I think what that's led to, of course, is a lot of fast paced evolution of the industry and of the products that are available. And so again, for us, it also happens to be our backyard because we're based out of California. Um, but I figure it's kind of like the old saying, right? If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Uh, and I think that's true for cannabis uh, in California. Yeah, I've, I, we hear that from a couple different people. Um, you're absolutely right. It's, it's incredibly competitive from a product quality, you know, just what's the quality that's out there for the consumer to choose from, but also from a branding and marketing level. It's just there's no other market that has that much noise, not in a bad way, but just that much noise and influence and and reach. Um, so it's definitely difficult. But um, yeah, so I, I love that. What what are, what are you guys' plans, you know, it, with this beta program? Are, are you going to springboard it pretty quickly to other markets after this or kind of one by one it out? The plan is definitely right now to focus on California and just make sure that we're doing well here, um, but otherwise to scale throughout the U.S. Uh, throughout the year and and of course, Canada. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I forget. I'm, I'm not, you know, COVID closed down the border, tied it up. I haven't even thought about up north for the last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's what been a while since I've been up there. What are some of the most exciting markets for you personally outside of, of California right now? Uh, I mean, I think when I look at a lot of the markets out there, right, it's a mix of both the 
the limited markets as well as the open ones. And so on the limited basis, right, you can look at markets like Massachusetts, for example, Pennsylvania, Illinois, um, but very interesting markets that are definitely growing. Massachusetts is actually one that's in transition because they're in the process of issuing more licenses mm -hmm. uh, in the industry there. And then on the open side, um, you know, obviously no, no surprise, or right? I think it's the usual suspects. You've got the PAC Northwest, Washington, your home state, uh, Oregon, Colorado, Michigan. These are all really dynamic, dynamic states as well. Um, and so I think the good news is lots of markets to go into. I think for us really, when it comes to which markets that we might go into and how we select them, it's really just a resources constraint, right? And again, I think um, for everyone that, that's been around this industry, you already know, part of the real challenge is because of the regulatory hurdles that you have to clear. And so it's not as simple as pushing a button and expanding into different markets. Uh, you actually have to survey the market, understand the landscape, understand the competitive dynamics, figure out what it is in terms of the, the model that you're gonna use to enter. And then of course, then operationally build that, that, uh, build that team in the process and then, and then attempt to scale. Absolutely, and, that, and that, was, that leads right into one of the other questions I had was, you know, with how fragmented it is across the country, what what have been some of those obstacles in terms of like a marketing or just a messaging standpoint, whether it's, you know, B2B messaging to to buyers or bud tenders or to the end consumer of building out, you know, make sure PAX messaging is received the same in each one of these states. That is, that's a massive challenge. And I think that's something that every brand uh, and every, every real, you know, business in this industry faces, right? How do you create consistent messaging that, actually lands correctly in, in alignment with your brand uh, and that then you can broadcast out to all consumers. And so I think that for us is a constantly ongoing process. Um, but of course, it's one that we're heavily invested into and just thinking through how can we continually get better at that all the time? Absolutely. What What's what's on the docket for, for 2022 for the PAX team? Uh, again, for for our product itself, the uh, the Fresh Press Live Rosin with Diamonds, that product in California and then spreading it out to uh, the rest of the U.S. and Canada, um, but doing so thoughtfully. And then, of course, on the device side, we're continuing to, to make upgrades and changes there as well. And so with this new product that we released in the Live Rosin, we also brought a one gram pot to market finally. And so I think that was an area that we considered ourselves behind. And now we've caught up on that on that piece. Um, obviously, most markets are historically half gram, but now have started moving to one gram. And so um, that that new pod we actually are releasing isn't just bigger in size. It also has new technology behind it. So instead of the silica wick that we had previously, it also now has a ceramic core, right? Which, again, I think is um, in keeping with our concept of delivering really premium experience uh, that is, you know, the cleanest and safest possible. Uh, as well, um, when you look at the way that the pod itself is architected, um, it's designed to actually perform incredibly well when it comes to issues like leaking and clogging, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think these are areas that obviously a lot of devices out there, they have issues in. And for us, again, it's really important that we continue to, to provide the consumer with the best possible experience. Um, and then, of course, you have uh, outside of the pods, the, the devices themselves, both the PAX line and the airline, which we're continuing to focus on, okay, what kind of features can we bring to market so that this is uh, an even better experience for consumers continual elevation and innovation progression um i love it man for people out there looking for more information packs packs.com you can find everything you need get devices and all that is there anything else you want to plug or, or direct people no I, I mean again i think um, for us we're incredibly excited to just bring these products to market for you all and I think the last thing I'd say is really just feedback, right? Um, 
in addition to the love, at the end of the day, we just want the feedback and try to figure out how do we continually get better. But um, please go take a look at the product, consider it as you're making your choices currently here, available across California and continuing to grow. Um, but that said, uh, I think you'll be you'll be excited when you when you get your hands on the product as well. Have you had a chance to try it? Uh, not the new one. I know my business partner who lives in LA, I believe, I think I just talked to him earlier. I think he's going to be reviewing it tomorrow officially. So I'm not sure if he is picking it up today or what, but yeah, I know he'll be trying it and he, he tries more products than me. So he'll have, he'll have some sort of, you know, opinion on it. He's, he's a, a subjective guy that tries a lot of stuff. So I'm eager to hear about what he has to say and I'm eager to uh, get to California and try it myself. Yeah, definitely. Come on down and uh, we'll make sure to take care of you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stephen. Very uh, appreciate you very much for hopping on here. Um, you know, safe travels. I know you got, got a flight later today, so safe travels on that. Um, thank you for sharing this information on, on PAX, the brand, these new products, uh, these solventless pods that you guys are dropping and, and just appreciate what you guys are putting into the game. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for everything you're doing as well. Thank you. All right. This is Mitch with RespectMoreReason.com, RMR podcast with PAX. We'll see you guys later.